Welcome to Leveraging the Laboratory, a Mayo Clinic Laboratories podcast for administrators, outreach managers, and laboratory professionals to learn how best to leverage and optimize the laboratory for patients, clients, and staff. I'm your host, Jane Hermanson, Outreach Manager at Mayo Clinic Laboratories. And joining me today are Ellen Dykeman-Dulkas and Brianne Newton, Mayo Clinic Laboratories Outreach Solution Strategists. The focus for today's discussion is supplies, as in how to manage, deliver, monitor, and be sure that you are legal as you manage supplies for your outreach customers. So supplies, why would this even be warranting a topic and a conversation today? Well, obviously without them, we can't collect specimens, preserve them appropriately and run our laboratory tests. So truly in the hands of a skilled phlebotomist, collection supplies are the single most important first item in the total testing process. A wrong tube could mean a rejected specimen. A non-validated tube type could generate unreliable results. An incorrect type of swab might create a delay in testing as the laboratory struggles to find a new or alternate testing location. Also, providing supplies to a customer that isn't using them for testing that you perform can get you into legal hot water. Providing too many supplies may also result in waste due to expiration of a product. So that's a lot of stuff. We might take supplies for granted, but they are truly the first link in the testing process, and it's really important to get it right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's start out with what the outreach customer needs from you for supplies. And Brianne Newton, can you start us out with the basics? Sure, absolutely. And so it's an expectation of an outreach customer that the person performing their testing provides supplies. What that looks like, what flavor it comes in, how often and all of that is determined by the lab and, and what their processes are, but that expectation is always there. Some of the things that we'll talk about include, you know, as you mentioned, how do you keep the expiration dates as fresh as possible? How do you be a good steward of the tube types that we're all running out of and that all of your customers need at the same time? How do you rotate stock? How do you stay on top of utilization of those supplies, making sure that what you're giving is coming back to you and managing those numbers and making sure that, as you mentioned, you're staying legal, but also how do you address with them concerns that they're using things properly? Are they overusing supplies? Are they underusing supplies? And so sometimes it's a teaching opportunity. So there's a lot of conversations and communication that need to take place when you bring on an outreach customer. Some things that we'll see are very sophisticated with electronic software and things, and some are very simple. And so it really depends on the outreach program and the extent to which they can monitor their own. But that expectation, again, is going to be there. If you perform testing for that customer, you will give them the supplies that they need. Now, another situation, if your outreach customer actually performs some testing on site and you're handling the more specialized for them, you have to be really careful that your supply stocks don't mix. So they're responsible for the stocks of supplies that they use for their testing, and it needs to be kept separate from what you're providing them for whatever testing you're doing. If it's the entirety of what they need, that's a lot simpler. If they want to take care of some stuff themselves on site, that's a little more of a delicate process that you need to walk through. 
And it's not an easy thing, right? right. So I think, so Ellen, I'm going to ask you, how do you make sure that the, that the customer is ordering the right stuff and in the right amounts at the right time? Well, I think you want to help the customer help you. And it all comes down to onboarding when you bring a new client in. So I do some customer one-on-one onboarding. I go to the site and I take a look at where they're going to store the supplies. I look and see if there's a, maybe a reference lab or a commercial lab that they use in addition to your laboratory. Where are those supplies kept? I look to see if there's a champion that maybe specializes in the supply management because that's the person I wanna to talk to. And so if there is no champion, you need to identify one when you go to onboard a new client. And this is gonna be your person that really watch one, do one, teach one. So you're gonna teach them all the good things that they need to do to partner with your laboratory. And then it's their responsibility and it's clearly defining roles of who they are gonna get maybe to assist them. So this champion can also be your person to contact if supplies are back ordered or the supplies are outdating, they can call you to tell you. And so I think it all comes down to onboarding and really defining the scope of the work that they're going to send to your laboratory. Now, the person that the contract is negotiated or the memorandum of understanding is maybe the office administrator, but it's not the person that's going to be managing the supplies. So you want to be able to talk to the right person and really define the scope. Are they going to be sending anatomic pathology specimens that need maybe formalin? Are they going to be collecting microbiology specimens? Because we know with parapacks and swabs, that gets pretty cumbersome. Or are they just going to be sending clinical pathology volume? Then you want to assess the volume. You don't want your laboratory to send them a flat of 100 CBC tubes when maybe their office only sends 10 a month. So you really need to define the volume that the practice is going to send to you, and then you match the supplies. Maybe some practices have a subspecialty doctor that comes into the office and they may need 24-hour urine jugs. So there may be a, a niche of testing that maybe your lab doesn't provide, but maybe your reference lab does and they would need those supplies. Then the other thing comes down to nursing home. If it's a nursing home client, you may provide them butterflies, but you may not provide every gauge butterfly. You may provide maybe 23 butterfly gauge butterfly. And then you're doing maybe a college dorm, a college university. You don't want to use butterflies because they're like triple the cost. So you want to teach the phlebotomy staff to use straight needles at that location. And then really in the onboarding package, you want to talk about how to order the supplies. Do they do it electronically and pull your supply requisition off the internet? Or do they have to fax it to the call center or your lab support folks at the hospital. You want to set expectations. You don't want to be sending supplies just immediately. You want to send supplies when they don't need them stat so that you can schedule the courier to drop off the supplies. Or if it's a remote part of the state, then maybe you FedEx or UPS them uh, to that location. You also want to teach them how to rotate stock. And if they have tubes with maybe a longer outdate, they're rotated to the back so that you use the short date stuff first. And so really it comes down to onboarding them. They want to do a great job and you just need to help them to help you. Thanks for that, Jane. 
Oh, you're welcome. And when I think about it, I think about supplies in terms of who your customer is and what their relationships are. So a lot of our outreach programs today, and like I put it in quotes, they also serve an in-reach market, right? So those providers now are part of the practice. So even if they have an in-office, so Ellen, you used the example of a flat of 100 CBC tubes. Well, if your own practice is doing their own CBCs, you can certainly provide the tubes for them because they're part of your family. So then you have to have a different mindset for those that are outside of the family, outside of the company business, outside of the hospital health system business, so that you can actually say, okay, what do we need to give them and how is that different? So now you have to almost have a different lens when you're looking at your in-reach segment of business compared to your outreach segment of business. One thing that I've seen some do is that for the in-reach customers, they make them order their own supplies through the stockroom. They're all on the same ordering system, whether it's Lawson or Oracle or some other brand product, but they are all on that same stockroom ordering system and they have an opportunity then to order just through their normal processes and manage their own inventory. And then as part of the family, as you run out of things in your other, in your main laboratory or another location, it's a lot easier to move product around throughout the system. And the other thing that I've seen becomes a really strong, strong process to work with your customers is to create standing orders. So as you start to understand, especially with a brand new customer, take a look at their test mix. Understanding how many urines are they ordering? How many cultures are they ordering? How many PAPs are they ordering? What are the different kinds of blood types of tubes that you're going to need? And then approximate kind of a startup kit for them. Maybe give them a month or two months to start out with. And then as their usage stabilizes and becomes predictable, then you can establish a standing order process so that you're not always back on your heels receiving orders from them, or you're not flooding them with six months advanced product to sit on their shelves and potentially outdate taking up other space. So those are things that I've seen. It works with the in-reach and also with the outreach, but to make sure that if it's someone who can work within your system and use some existing processes, by all means, encourage them to do that. What other efficiencies have either of you seen? Anybody want to chime in with anything other, anything else cool that you've seen? I'd say with supply chain, it's really great for the laboratory to have a conversation with the supply chain folks, because as your system grows, you mentioned that they can order maybe the system, ordering system for supplies, but they may be logistically quite a ways away. And I've seen where the warehouse will manage supplies between the system. So if that's a possibility for in-reach stuff. With PAR levels, that's really hard when, if it's your client response or your laboratory that's managing PAR levels, it's really hard to manage a client that you haven't set expectations with maybe to order weekly or every two weeks. And all of a sudden, Jane, they have a six month order. You can't manage to that. So I really like what some folks are doing, trying to manage the volume they're getting in to the supplies they're going out. And Brianne touched on it a little bit using LIS. Many LISs can go and maybe a custom request is to say, all right, from this location, how many CBCs have I got? How many pap smears? How many microbiology tubes? And then you don't have to do it all the time, but just a gut check that if they're ordering 10 CBCs, you're not sending 100 CBCs. 
but sometimes that's not possible. So I've seen places use the, the manifest that they send with the specimens and the outreach manager will take those manifests and maybe delegate it or do it themselves to say, okay, how, what kinds of tubes are we getting? So you can do it manually, but it's a, you don't want to induce your supplies to go somewhere else because this is real money. And as hospitals are really looking at the bottom line, getting a handle on the supplies can save the organization quite a bit of money that you don't send supplies that they're throwing away. And so when your outreach person goes to this client site, the supply should be a standing agenda item that you talk about. Brianne, how about you? Any other best practices or anything interesting that you've seen other efficiencies? I've seen one and it, it's sort of in this neighborhood of conversation. So I thought I'll go ahead and bring it up. And it is having almost a startup ready to go kit available at all times. And this was, would have been, let me put that, would have been very good idea at my previous employer where we would bring on a new provider or open a provider office or be expected to stand up a new customer very quickly. And, you know, in your heart of hearts as an outreach leader, you want to do that because you want to anticipate their needs. You want to look good, you know, right at the outset that you're going to be able to get them turned around and, and become truly one of your customers as quickly as possible. And so we have a client that I recently saw this and they have it down to they have an extra or, or unused, still in the crate, still packaged, centrifuge, phlebotomy chair, refrigerator, package of requisitions, so many containers of tubes ready to go, almost like a draw site in a box, <laughs> if you will, just sort of set up in this supply room that they have the luxury of space and not everyone does. I get that. But their explanation for this was, you know what, when we get that phone call that we know is coming, hey, we're going to open a new GI doc in two weeks. Very rarely would you be able to assemble all of those supplies from all of your sources that quickly. And maybe you're responsible for the phlebotomy chair in the centrifuge, maybe you're not. But oftentimes, and in my experience, these ladies as well is, I can't always get my hands on a sufficient number of butterflies to add to another customer. I've got just enough to tread water with my current. So as you can begin to think forward, if I had that last minute phone call. If I had to be able to provide for another client, another customer right away, do I have something set aside for a rainy day? <laughs> Absolutely. And there are some things that you simply can't hoard and hold on to because they expire or as we experienced recently, just the shortage of the blue top tubes and how we managed just dealing with those high demand items and really rationing them across locations. So I'm going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the legal aspect. And Brianne, you alluded to it. Ellen, you alluded to it. And honestly, if it's not done correctly, providing the wrong supplies for a customer could be perceived as inducement and could result in millions of dollars in fines. The Office of Inspector General has been really, really strong to come out and say exactly what a laboratory can and cannot do. So ultimately what they say is if you're going to send a tube to a client, you have to receive that tube back for testing in your, your lab. If you send a urine collection cup out to a client and they do their own dipstick test and bill for that test and you receive no specimen in your laboratory, you're in violation of the law. And I visited a location years ago 
where I was just interviewing the practice about how they interacted with their reference lab and how they received their supplies. And the young lady who had a small testing laboratory, she had a chemistry analyzer and a hematology analyzer. She said, oh, she said, I just order all of my supplies from brand X laboratory. I need my purple top tubes, my red top tubes. I just order them from Brand X laboratory. And I said, well, what about for the testing that you do in your lab? Where do you get those supplies? She said, oh, I just order them from Brand X laboratory. Well, the manager of the practice was sitting right next to her and this man, his face went white because he realized that she didn't know what the regulations were and the laws were. So sometimes we as outreach leaders have an obligation to help our customers understand what the rules are because if they don't know any better and they just see that we could be a great source to get those supplies from, there's nothing to stop them. So just keep that in mind. And if you really want to go down a, a legal rabbit hole, go online and search some of these inducement stories that have literally resulted in millions of dollars of fines for testing laboratories supplying urine cups, especially for testing that they never received. But it was an inducement to get the laboratory to order other testing from them. Fascinating stuff. Okay, so we're just about out of time. It always goes so fast when we start to talk. So I have three last questions and these are rapid fire questions and you guys can hit your little go button and whoever wants to answer it first can go. So first question is, when you think about supplies, who should provide the best oversight for managing supplies? Ellen. I would say the outreach team or designate somebody that has is externally focused within your organization that talks with clients. And I'm assuming that, you know, if it's a system wide, then your operations folks would manage that. But the outreach team would manage those relationships that have a choice for lab services. And we want them to choose your laboratory. So I would think the outreach team would be involved. Okay, perfect. Second rapid fire question. Why should we track usage? Oh, I'll take okay. this one. Go. Okay. Go. Go. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't find my button for a second. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we need to, one, to stay legal. Two is because, as Ellen mentioned, and this is a reality for everybody, supplies are expensive. And so when you are trying to be, you know, the best stewards of the resources that you have, not only monetary, but also physical supply resources, is there is no organization that can afford to just shovel things out the door that they never see again. And so tracking utilization is important for, uh, for cost savings, for, for utilization, for things like that. But also when you have a good handle on, am I getting back everything I have sent? If you start to see the numbers of specimens returned back to you, you kind of start to see it's an opportunity for a conversation with that client to say, this is what I'm seeing because if there is leakage for that customer and they're actually sending testing elsewhere, it gives you an opportunity to hop on it real quick to address any unmet concerns and things like that. If you have no idea what, what goes out or comes in or anything, that customer could be long gone before you realize it and the, the damage to the relationship is irreparable. 
Absolutely. And yeah, I think that's a great point to really watch if they stop ordering supplies from you. Hmm, who else are they getting it from and why? So hopefully it, we're not at that position, but it does give you an opportunity to go in and, and save that business. So last question, any other last minute thoughts about those high demand items like the blue top tubes, butterflies, viral transport media when the pandemic started and nobody had anything? Any last minute thoughts about that, Ellen? I would just say, you know, when there is a shortage and you've got really get your pulse with your key stakeholder at the client and you're running out of blue top tubes for inpatient Coumadin clinic, you know, touch base with them and then tell whoever dispenses those supplies, hey, stop the presses that, you know, maybe even you have to have a gatekeeper that says, okay, you can send two uh, of this kind of media to that client. The other thing, when in doubt, you know, I, I would get calls when I was the outreach manager at my previous job for speculums for pap smears, and you can't send those. They would ask for band-aids and gauze for a vena puncture. And really the rule of thumb that I always used was if they supply it and buy it for their own population, you can't provide it. So that sort of kept me honest not to send gauze and band-aids. Absolutely. Very good. Well, we're out of time again, as it, it always goes so fast. So I want to thank both of you for sharing your experience and thoughts regarding laboratory outreach supplies. And I truly hope that our audience has gained some understanding and perhaps some new tips to better manage the provision of outreach supplies to their own customers. Thank you, Brianne and Ellen. Really appreciate it today. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Leveraging the Laboratory, a podcast from Mayo Clinic Laboratories. If you've enjoyed Leveraging the Laboratory podcast, please subscribe. And until next time, we encourage you to continue to promote your community-based hospital laboratory. The needs of the patient come first.